So what we have in South Africa is the Protection of Personal Information Act, and it has provisions which place strict liability on uh, entities that are processing personal information. What strict liability means is that there's almost no excuse if you suffer a breach and if personal information is exposed in, in public. So once that act comes into force, you as a member of the public will have a really powerful piece of legislation that will allow you to take on these entities, which typically have huge legal budgets. And why I say it'll be a lot easier is simply because the information regulator then becomes your flag bearer and it is the information regulator that then pursues uh, a hospital, for example, in the event of a breach. So you don't end up spending these huge amounts of money yourself on legal fees. Welcome to the Tech Legal Matters podcast by iAfrican Radio. Since 2015, we at iAfrican.com have been doing research and publishing about significant data breaches and leaks across Africa. Some we have reported on publicly, while others were too sensitive and we simply notified the relevant authorities without publicly reporting on them. During the same period, we have also researched and reported extensively on cybersecurity, privacy, and data protection related matters across Africa. What we have always observed is that not many people and organizations understand the legal implications of the various technologies that they use. In this podcast, we will explore these topics and more, with a specific focus on the intersection of technology and the law, how that affects you as an individual, but also from a business perspective. New episodes of the Tech Legal Matters podcast will be broadcast every Friday. The podcast will also feature analysis, insights, and commentary from attorneys who specialize in information and communications technology law. My name is Defo Mohapi, and I will be your host. Now, for a word from our sponsors. Hello, my name is Lucien Pierce, an attorney in South Africa. What I have noticed over the years is that technology continues to challenge the legal system. What I mean is that sometimes laws battle to keep up with the speed at which technology is changing and the various new technologies that are launched. At Pukube Pierce Masitela Attorneys, our team of lawyers all have a passion for information and communications technology law and are well versed in the latest technologies and the laws applicable to them in South Africa. With 15 years of experience as a law firm in South Africa, we specialize in information and communications technology, marketing and advertising, and infrastructure related to these sectors. PPM Attorneys has a long list of satisfied clients and an unblemished record. So visit us at ppmattorneys.co.za and talk to us about all your legal matters related to technology. Life Healthcare Group, a private healthcare company listed on the Johannesburg Stock Exchange that operates private hospitals in South Africa and Botswana, earlier in June stated that their IT systems suffered what they called a targeted criminal attack. According to the company, the attack affected its hospital admission systems, business processing systems and email service. In recent years, there's been marked increase in cybersecurity attacks and data breaches on South African organizations. These attacks have spanned both public and private sector organizations. Notably, among many such incidents, we had in 2018 
Liberty Group suffered a data breach in which the hackers demanded money in return for not releasing what they claimed was 40 terabytes worth of data they managed to access on Liberty's systems. While on the other hand, City Power Johannesburg suffered a ransomware attack during 2019 in which the criminals also demanded payment in Bitcoin before bringing the power utilities, IT systems and network back up again. To date, like many other such similar cases in South Africa, none of them have been solved, no criminals identified or arrested. Joining me today on this episode of Tech Legal Matters is Lucien Piers, an attorney at PPM Attorneys in South Africa. Lucien, should we be worried regarding this Life Healthcare Group hack? Hi, Tefo. Good to be together again. Um, you know, these, these incidents really are uh, critical. Um, because they have life and death consequences. The reality is that if a hospital cannot operate properly, access its systems, perhaps access files or important data regarding patients, there's always the possibility that that patient can be affected terribly or perhaps even lose their life. So I think that this is a very, very important issue. If we think back, you know, the life health issue happened uh, now, barely a few weeks ago. But if we think back uh, about two years to the time that Petya and not Petya, the ransomware uh, that uh, took over many systems across the world, you'll remember that, for example, the National Health Service in the UK, it was... Um, Many of its systems were taken down. In fact, in the US, there's the story of a uh, hospital in uh, Beverly Hills that ultimately ended up paying the ransom to get its systems back online. This indicates how important this data is uh, to these um, hospitals and other facilities. Uh, of course, with this data also being so sensitive, uh, covering very, very intimate aspects of people's lives. Uh, if it gets out there, you have the double whammy, not only of the hospital not being able to operate while it is down, but all this information being revealed. So, so there are very serious consequences that come out of um, attacks of this nature. What happens, and as you mentioned, this is very sensitive data about our health our health, our status, our, and currently with a pandemic, it could be about your COVID-19 status as well. But as a patient, as a layperson, do I have any recourse from a legal perspective to hold the hospital liable once it gets its systems hacked? Well, you, you, certainly, you certainly do. Now, in terms of South African law, there's a general right to privacy. Uh, our constitution guarantees that. Now, if you're an individual and you take on perhaps a hospital that has had a breach and your information is out there in the public domain, it's going to take a court process typically for you to get some sort of um, uh, resolution and also some sort of compensation for the different types of damages that you would have suffered. You know, there's uh, uh, damage to your reputation, there's uh, damage to your personality, uh, your privacy has been invaded. So, so that's one of the routes you could go. But that's an expensive process. So what we have in South Africa is the Protection of Personal Information Act. And it has provisions which place strict liability on uh, 
entities that are processing personal information. What strict liability means is that there's almost no excuse if you suffer a breach and if personal information is exposed in, in public. So once that act comes into force, you as a member of the public will have a, a really powerful piece of legislation that will allow you to take on these entities, which typically have huge legal budgets. And why I say it'll be a lot easier is simply because the information regulator then becomes your flag bearer and it is the information regulator that then pursues uh, a hospital, for example, in the event of a breach. So you don't end up spending these huge amounts of money yourself on legal fees. So would this work uh, from a layperson's perspective like the competition commission would typically do? Let's say they find out, I think a few years back in South Africa, they found out that the companies that make bread were colluding on price and then they find them. Would that work similarly that I as an individual or as a group of individuals, we don't have to go after the companies for not protecting our data and the information regulator would do that on our behalf? That's precisely uh, what would happen. Uh, you, of your own accord, would file a complaint with the information regulator. Alternatively, the information regulator itself has investigatory powers. So it, of its own accord, can perhaps pick up on some occurrences and investigate and, if necessary, prosecute. So it can happen one of two ways. Like you say, the individual could lay a complaint or the information regulator itself could pursue entities that are engaging in unlawful conduct or where a breach has happened and nobody has actually laid a complaint. In that instance, the information regulator might think that it's in the public interest to pursue that entity and in fact start the investigation and initiate a prosecution as well. Now, you talk of the information regulator and the Protection of Personal Information Act in South Africa and it's a brilliant piece of law from what I understand and it was put in place if I'm not wrong long before the European Union put in place their general data protection regulations GDPR and yet if I believe correctly we cannot enforce it yet is that correct? That's right. Um, the GDPR became fully effective in 2018. It did have a, another law, a, a predecessor, which was called the um, Directive. Uh, it was promulgated in 1996. Our law, the Protection of Personal Information Act, or POPIA as we call it, it became a law in 2013 course, after almost 10 years of legislative toing and froing. So it became a law in 2013, but there's a distinction in, in terms of how laws operate, because you can have a law, but it might not be effective. In other words, it's not um, binding on, on the public as yet. So our law in South Africa is only partially effective, and the effective portions of the Act are those that have allowed the information regulator to be set up. So it's basically just administrative aspects. The rest of it that gives um, individuals the, the power and protection that they need has yet to come into force. Uh, you know, there are rumblings and there have been rumblings for a while and there have been lots of uh, false starts, if I can call it that, where people have said it's going to happen this year. Uh, but 
At this point in time, with COVID-19, with privacy being an issue, with contact tracing apps uh, being out there and governments considering um, all these, these different mechanisms, it is probably time right now for a law like this to come into effect because there are likely to be damaging breaches arising out of all the information that is being collected um, on, on people, people's health, people's movements. So, so I would think that if the government had the people's interests at heart, it would be opportune right now to make this law fully effective. And I, I believe it's, 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 it's imminent. Now, you mentioned that uh, it's an opportune time for, for this law to come into effect now. Most of these apps and companies and contact tracing apps have privacy policies and terms of use. And I believe even somebody like Life Healthcare Group would probably make you sign certain things and disclaimers to say they cannot be held liable, etc. for certain things. Is it possible in such cases where you find that perhaps, and this is hypothetically, that the privacy policy or terms of use contradict something like the Protection of Personal Information Act? Which one takes precedence? Can you sign your rights away, if I can put it that way? So it's, it's relatively straightforward as far as the law is concerned. We have a principle in South African law, and I think it's a principle in many, many other jurisdictions, that you cannot contract out of law. So if a statute provides certain protections and a contract then um, goes contrary to what that law requires, then that contract is going to be invalid. So where you have um, entities that are processing personal information and they require you to sign um, documents that, that are ridiculous uh, and that go contrary to what Popeye, our privacy law, says, then a court or a prosecutor is going to look at that contract and say, this is not worth the paper that it's printed on. So entities and operators and those who are processing personal information would do well to make sure that their privacy policies, their terms and conditions and their contracts are aligned with what Popeye says. Uh, if, if not, then they are certainly going to be in a lot of trouble if anyone ever challenges those aspects of their contracts and terms and conditions that are contrary to Popeye. Okay, that, that makes sense. So you effectively can't sign your rights away as they're declared in the Constitution. Now, coming back to the life health care security attack, as they called it, what, at what level do we hold such a company? Let's assume that Popeye was in effect. Can they claim that it was not a matter of negligence, but rather a criminal attack, as they've been alluding in, the, in, the, in their statement? So even if there was a criminal attack, there are a couple of, of aspects that uh, the regulator, for example, the information regulator, or even a court, if someone decides to sue life healthcare um, in, a, in a court of law civilly. So the act, as it currently stand, stands, says that life healthcare would have been required to take into account or implement best practice in its sector. Now, Given that it is quite a large organization, I'm told it has 6,500 beds in South Africa and it has branches in other countries, it, it is uh, 
processing a lot of personal information, which places an obligation on it to ensure that it has the highest standards to protect the sensitive personal information. So if it wasn't, uh, if it hadn't implemented the standards that other hospitals of a similar nature had implemented, then it would be regarded as having fallen short and would be liable. That's the first aspect. But the reality is that even if life healthcare had uh, implemented what was required, the, the reality is that the fact that the hackers still got in is still going to result in some sort of penalty for life healthcare. The issue or the difference would be how severe that penalty is. Uh, because like I mentioned earlier, our law has strict liability. And what that means is no matter how something happens and if it goes wrong, there is still going to be a contravention of the act and the, the um, processor will have to, have to account for that and there will be some sort of penalty. It might be a light penalty, but there will still be some sort of uh, punishment, if I can call it that. I'm guessing then the rule there is that you are meant to protect data of people that you, you process. Absolutely, absolutely. So, you know, it, it take hospitals, for example, they process what we call special personal information, which is the most sensitive types of information that, that is out there. And uh, the expectation is that if you're taking on that responsibility, then you've got to take the risks that come with processing that type of information. Now, how can, uh, away from the IT systems that can imp they can implement, that's a totally different discussion, but from a legal perspective, what steps can organizations like Life Healthcare and others do before they experience such attacks to sort of protect themselves, if they can? Is there any way that they can? Yes, they can. So, as I mentioned, the, the extent of the penalty that will be imposed in the event of a breach will be influenced by a number of factors. The first factor I mentioned earlier is, were, were, was the organization um, operating in accordance with the standards that you would expect? In other words, the, the regulator or whoever is judging them would look at what was required in the industry, what the standard was, and whether life care had that. It would then also look at another, um, uh, at other factors that um, would also reduce the extent of its, its culpability or its fault. Uh, this would be, for example, did it train its staff sufficiently well? Was it up to date in terms of its uh, systems, software, all these security aspects that you would expect and that are imposed on it uh, would be measured? And in that case, if it was reasonably up to date, it had trained its staff on the most recent vulnerabilities that were out there, then it is more likely that it would get a slap on the hand uh, as opposed to a, a stiff uh, fine. You know, our, our act, it's, it's relatively small compared to what is imposed in other jurisdictions such as the EU. But the maximum fine that can be imposed in South Africa is 10 million rand. So there's always that possibility that a fine of 10 million rand could be imposed. But if Life Healthcare is able to show that it had done its utmost, it had done everything that was uh, being done in, in its industry, then yes, it would be found to have breached the act, but it's the extent of the fine that would be imposed um, that, that would probably be quite low. Okay. Now, the other aspect of this slightly related is about privacy. So organizations like Life Healthcare process special personal information, as you say. 
does our Papaya Act, our Protection of Personal Information Act, make provision to say that within the organization, outside of being hacked or attacked, within the organization, only certain people can have access to this data, given that it's special. Or it doesn't matter that anybody can have access to that data. Well, the, the act is not prescriptive. It doesn't say do this, do that. It, it gives the, the, um, the entity processing personal information the latitude to decide how to, to comply with the act. And that's why it says comply with what is best practice in, in the industry. Uh, so, so you as the, as the entity have to go out there and, and do some research and see what uh, everyone else or what your peers are doing and what the standard is. So for example, if it comes down to processing special personal information, best practice would indicate that um, or require that you, you probably segment this information have it separated from all the other less sensitive information and probably only have very restricted uh, access by designated people in your organization. The reason you would do that is because you would then limit the, the possibility of leaks and breaches happening because there are fewer people or perhaps more responsible people or people who are higher up in the organization who uh, have access to this information. So by restricting it, you reduce the risk of uh, a breach happening. Now, as I mentioned when we started the, the, the podcast, there's been an increase over the past couple of years of cybersecurity incidents and data breaches, etc. It often feels like it's almost inevitable if you're a big company that processes lots of data that somebody's going to attack you. I mean, even Facebook themselves had data, including of South Africans, uh, breached. Is it, in your opinion, firstly, something that's inevitable, that's bound to happen, that companies must always be on the lookout for? You know, there, there's a famous line from uh, one of the um, senior people, I think it's in the US Department of uh, Homeland Security or the CIA or the FBI, who in the context of data protection and hacks and breaches simply said, it's not a matter of if, it's just a matter of when it happens. So when it happens, you need to have made sure that you could do your utmost uh, to ensure that whatever the damage is, is reduced uh, as much as possible. So my, my view is that it is going to happen at some point to everyone. Every organization is going to have a breach, whether it be a major breach or whether it be a minor breach of, of relatively um, less sensitive information. Uh, so in that instance, the, the reality is it's going to happen. So what do you do to make sure that when it happens, you are um, let off the hook a lot more lightly, if I can put it that way, by the regulator. You would make sure, as I said earlier, that you've done everything that you can to comply with what the expected standard is in your, in your industry. And if you've done that, and you demonstrate that there was nothing more you could reasonably have done to prevent this, then uh, you will certainly be censured, you will have a, 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 a fine or be found liable, but uh, in that instance, of course, it is probably going to be a very low fine or potentially even a warning. So you could put in place other um, measures that could also protect you 
from um, a loss side. Uh, and one of the most important considerations to, to, to look at is perhaps cybersecurity uh, insurance, cybersecurity insurance. Because if that does, if it eventually does happen that you have a breach and your, your policy covers you for a breach of that nature, you're probably going to be insured for the penalty that the regulator will impose. You will probably be covered if you've taken out a good policy for the legal fees that you will incur in defending yourself against various claims and before the regulator. And there will also potentially be some loss of profits or reputational harm that uh, you, you would incur. And if you've negotiated that policy well enough and you're covered, then you will be compensated for that. So that, for me, is one of the most important um, measures you could take um, to cover yourself for this eventuality. Okay. So do we have that in South Africa, cybersecurity insurance policy? Yes, yes. We have a number of insurers who provide uh, this sort of cover. It's growing. There are more that are offering it. Uh, at the outset, the, the extent of cover was very limited. The policies were also uh, very uh, cleverly worded in that uh, you were only covered for certain types of breaches uh, and not every sort of breach, which is why I said... Earlier, if you negotiate one of these contracts, it's wise to make sure that you've got the cover uh, that you're looking for and, and that you've got as broad uh, a spectrum of cover as possible. Uh, what's also important is that uh, these policies are, are applied very strictly. So, for example, you know, if, if you are found to have not had the most recent patch for your software, ah. or if you might not have trained your uh, staff in the past year, and if that was a requirement of the policy, then there's a strong likelihood that the policy would be repudiated. So you've got to make sure that whatever undertakings are expected of you are strictly complied with as far as those policies are concerned. So these are policies for worst case scenario, where you've taken all the measures, you've done everything you can, but you still got breached. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. As I always say on this podcast, uh, what we discuss here does not necessarily constitute legal advice. Thank you, Lucian, for coming onto the podcast. You're most welcome. Now for a word from our sponsors. Hello, my name is Lucien Pierce, an attorney in South Africa. What I have noticed over the years is that technology continues to challenge the legal system. What I mean is that sometimes laws battle to keep up with the speed at which technology is changing and the various new technologies that are launched. If you are experiencing this challenge, our lawyers at PPM Attorneys all have a passion for information and communications technology law and are well versed in the latest technologies and the laws applicable to them in South Africa. Visit us at ppmattorneys.co.za and talk to us about all your legal matters related to technology. Remember to tell your friends, family and colleagues that the show is available to listen for free on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Deezer or any other app that you use to listen to podcasts. Also, make sure to head over to www.iafrican.com forward slash radio. That is www.iafrican.com 
frikan.com forward slash radio and subscribe to get notified on new episodes of the Tech Legal Matters podcast and any other iAfrican radio shows. Stay safe on the web.